This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. It is so good, so good to be in the house with Emmanuel as a church family today. And I want you to know, God is not done. He's up to something. Something's on its way. And as a church leadership team, I want you to know we've been praying and we've been thinking, preparing for what God wants to do and being wise about the season and the time that we're in. So we're thinking ahead to when we get to gather again, but it might be in stages and phases and we're going to do our best to prepare for those times. And in the meantime, your responsibility and my responsibility is to be obedient to what God has called us to do, to pray for the leaders in our land. And when we have church, let's be all in and really have church in your kitchen, in your living room, on your phone, in the car, whatever it is. Let's be all in as a church family because God wants to not just delay what he wants to do to some future month. He wants to do it today and he wants to do it right now. So I want you to be ready with me for all that God has for us and I, I know the best truly is yet to come. Today we start a brand new series called Hashtag Blessed and I'm so excited about it because God's going to unveil some new things to us as the weeks go by. So I want you to lean in and listen to what God wants to say and to set it up I want to share a story from back in the day, way back in the day when I was a youth pastor. We used to lead missions teams into New York City. And uh, in the preparation for the trip, i never forget the very first trip of teenagers that I brought from suburban Minnesota all the way to New York City. And we had trips, uh, trip planning meetings, and, and we talked about what it would be like in the city. I had never personally been there yet. My wife had been there before, but most of the team had never been there. All they'd ever seen was, was on TV and, and kind of the craziness of movies and all the extremes that you might see out there. And so uh, as we got prepared, we were, we were getting ready, and parents were concerned, and they were worried, and they wanted assurances that it would be safe, and of course it was going to be safe and we prepared for it. And then we took like the 30-hour trip all the way from Minnesota to New York City in vans. And uh, we pulled in uh, across the bridge and the first view, the city of New York City was overwhelming. And as we came across that bridge, I looked in my rearview mirror and I saw the eyes of the people around me in the, in the van as they're just going, what is going on? This is crazy. And uh, we experienced something bigger than we had ever experienced before. Minneapolis is big, but New York City is crazy big. And as we pulled into the streets, they were overwhelmed with traffic and cars and trucks on top of cars and trucks in every direction. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, you would stop at a red light and the people behind you would honk because they wanted you ready when it turned green. That's that's pretty crazy. And people were were using uh, not Christian language with their fingers out the window at our kids. And I could see them kind of slinking down in their seat going, what did we get ourselves into? And finally, we went into the borough of Brooklyn. And as we pulled in, we were going to be at a church that week. Uh, there was a storefront church. And we pulled in in front of this storefront church called Living Waters Church. And as we pulled in, it was nighttime. And, and we had just gone through the Puerto Rican section of the 
community and it was the Puerto Rican Independence Day in the summertime and, and people were on top of cars and they were, they were dancing and the music was loud. And so it was kind of a robust environment. And as we pulled in front of this church, the pastor of the church rolled up the steel garage door that's over the front of the church at nighttime to keep us safe. And he comes out to the van and he's ready to greet the team. And so they opened the doors and the team started getting out. And, and as they were getting out, they were like, what is going on? Still a little tentative. And all of a sudden you could hear the pop, 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 pop. And literally some kind of noise went off and the students dove on the ground. Some of them flew their bodies back into the van. They were convinced that it was a drive-by shooting. <laughs> but of course, it wasn't a drive-by shooting. It was close to our independence, July 4th, and somebody was just letting off firecrackers. But here's what I want you to hear. See, the operating system that they had was actually rational. Everything they had heard before this moment told them to interpret the sound as a drive-by. And uh, that next week, the students would begin to go through a reorientation of reality. They would interpret the sounds of the city and the changes around them differently as they lost their old programming and they learned a new way. And we all are going through that kind of transition during this pandemic. The training is different. We're going through different experiences, but we're also gaining a new way of thinking. And Jesus was brilliant. He took his disciples through their own firecracker experience. He had to take them through a disorientation from the old way of thinking and into the new. And Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, which is the very first book of the New Testament, there are a series of sermons that are now called, we are referred to as the Sermon on the Mount, or the Sermon on the Mountain, and it's recorded in Matthew chapter five through seven. And uh, we're not gonna go through all, all of these chapters today, but I want you to get the sense, Jesus was beginning to teach his disciples and therefore us, as the gospels would be re released to the whole world over generations. He was going, going to teach them to think different, interpret life differently, and it would be the kingdom of God that they would interpret with. And you'll see in there in Matthew 5 through 7, there's the Lord's Prayer, and, and there is the, 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 uh, the influence of loving and forgiving people and taking care of the poor and the value in God's kingdom of that. And then also how to handle worry. And I'll just give you a little snippet from one of the parts of his sermon. In Matthew chapter 6, he said this. So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. I love, uh, people love to quote the, the Matthew 6, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. But it's actually surround, it's like a sandwich. The bread around that was worry verses. Jesus says, don't worry, Seek the kingdom, don't worry. In other words, the way through worry is by seeking the kingdom of God in your life right now. 
And that's what Jesus was sharing with people. And you know, in a season like this, when we lose control and people lose control, things can go negative in our head because we don't have control. And there are a lot of things happening right now that we don't have control over. In fact, I encourage you, if you have things that are going around in your head and you've been dealing with worry, why not write down the things you don't have control over? There might be some things you just simply can't make the decisions for. Our government's making a decision for you, or your place of employment's making a decision for you, or your family, whatever it may be, write those things down. But then don't just leave them there. If you're gonna follow what Jesus said in Matthew 6, submit them to God and trust his kingdom for help in those areas. If they're inside of you, worry will take over. But if you seek his kingdom, he'll take care of the worry. And uh, you know, this week I was, I was listening to Dr. Henry Cloud, who's a great uh, author and speaker and communicator, and he comes alongside and counsels CEOs and people that are, have a lot of stress and pressure and responsibility on their shoulders. And one of the things that he said is that in a crisis, we need to avoid the three Ps. The three Ps. The first was don't personalize. In other words, when you go through stress and frustration, don't personalize everything. Don't make everything about you. Secondly, don't see it as pervasive or everything. Just because it's happening here doesn't mean it's happening everywhere. Don't project it on those things. And number three, don't see the pain as permanent. In other words, yeah, we're in a longer season than we thought we would be in, but you know what, this too shall pass. If we learn to not focus on those things, the things we can't control, and we turn it over to God, there also are some things we can control in the middle of this. And I think we miss that sometimes. You know, some of the craziness that are going on in houses and the routines have kind of just been thrown up in the air. You're used to going to certain places uh, dur during a, a day, getting out of the house, meeting certain people, and you can't see them anymore. Parents, oh my goodness, their days are totally changing. If you're a parent of young kids, in Jesus' name, I bless you. <laughs> As you're trying to discover routines and rhythms, and some of us are working at home and still trying to be school teachers, and how do we help people out? In the middle of that, if all we're doing is reacting to what's going on, um, and we can feel like we don't have control, but I want you to know you do have control in your own house. You have control over your schedule. You can get up at the same time every day, go about getting ready for your day, put on your normal day clothes. You can put a schedule together for work and, and handle the kids if you have them, or maybe make a contact with somebody if you're alone in your house. And, you can put those into the schedule and get into a routine, into a rhythm. It's really important. It'll help settle your brain, and then you can seek God first. And by the way, when are you talking to God on a daily basis or reading the Bible? You can schedule it out. That's not something out of your control. You know, I've seen some people talking about how before the crisis hit, how uh, their excuse for why they didn't do certain things was, I just don't have enough time. Well, <laughs> now we have enough time. And we're finding out that wasn't the real excuse, was it? See, we have control and we need to take steps to take control in those areas. And you can intentionally connect with people in your life. If you're feeling alone, and that's a common thing, you can feel alone in a house with other people. 
you still need to connect with other people. Jesus, he met with the Father alone in secret, but he also met with one disciple and three disciples and 12 disciples. So he had circles of influence and people that he connected with. And I encourage you to reach out to some of those people that rejuvenate your soul and talk. You know, they don't all have to be like really godly people. Some, some people just make you laugh. Reach out to them and have a connection with them. That's something you can do. You see, if you seek the kingdom of God first and his order, you'll be blessed. Hashtag blessed. Jesus was announcing a new software, a different way of thinking that he would call his kingdom. He was saying in a sense, this isn't PlayStation 1 anymore. I've upgraded. There's new systems and new games and new opportunities coming out. His vaccine would not go out of date. It works in every era. And everything that you and I are going through right now has already been found in the Bible. God and his word, are, this is filled with stories about how God helps people. He never wastes a plague. He brings good out of the worst of circumstances in people's lives. And by the way, don't just read the Bible, study the Bible. Get to understand why things are there. Understand the author and the original intent of the scripture. Do some study. There's lots of tools we have on our website for you to study the word of God. I encourage you, study the word of God. If you don't want to do it alone, do it with your connect group. Get connected to other people and study the word. And you can have hope and receive a different kind of thinking, a different program or software in your head to tackle the challenges of life that you're in. In this series, we're going to look at the blessings or the beatitude in the first part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So in Matthew chapter 5, turn there with me, you're going to see where Jesus begins his sermon, if you will, and he begins to download this new information, starting with verse 1 in Matthew 5. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So catch the setting. There's crowds everywhere, and so Jesus goes up the mountain. There's lots of good things that happen on the mountains in the Bible. You can do your own study. Then Jesus sits down. Now, he's going to speak to his disciples and eventually speak to the crowds. But as he sits down, there's a kind of a mode of a conversation that Jesus wants to have a conversation with you. He wants to have a conversation in your home. He wants to have a conversation. This is not in a synagogue. This is not in the normal church places. Jesus sits down to have a conversation with people, and he wants to have a conversation with you and me. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the first secret that he gives in being hashtag blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to be blessed? I mean, what does Jesus mean by that blessed or blessed is the person that does that? You know, if you were to pull up your phone and, and you were to type, you could get a, a gif or a gif, however you want to say it. And you put in blessed. What, is, what does it say? What is, what is it we, we came up with some of the top ones that came out. And uh, hashtag blessed. Oh, yeah. That could, that could pop up. Oh, you blessed. Yep. <laughs> oh, you are blessed. Yes, yes. You are blessed. Uh, too blessed to be stressed. Um, that's interesting. 
And even writing the word out, hashtag blessed. That's hilarious. Oh boy, I am blessed. So when you say it, what does it mean? You know, in our culture, people just say it when they get a, a, a paycheck or somebody does something nice to them. Then they feel blessed. And it's a reaction to something. But is that what Jesus is talking about? You know, our founding pastor at the church, Mark Denyes, anytime, anywhere, anybody would ask him, so how are you doing, pastor? He'd say, I'm blessed. In fact, we had coffee mugs that said, I'm blessed, that we sold for Speed the Light dollars in youth ministry back in the day. There is a sense of blessing in the kingdom of God that's different than what the world is talking about blessed. What are your, what's the true sense of happiness or favor from God? So to be blessed in the scripture, being blessed is not circumstantial, it's providential. It's involving divine foresight or intervention, God's providential care for each of us. It's heaven sent, God is taking care of us. And even if circumstances seem to be bad, I can be blessed in any season of my life. This is really what Job did when he lost everything. He's trusting God in Job chapter one. He's trusting God and he literally loses everything, his family, his farms, his possessions, everything. And it says this in Job one verse 20. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In other words, the kind of kingdom of God blessing is the capacity, even in the worst of circumstances, to still say I'm blessed and to turn around and bless the Lord because there's a divine connection to how we live our lives. It's not financial. It's not just if you're blessed, you've got lots of money and lots of possessions. God may entrust you with those things, but you're only a steward with whatever amount that you have anyways. So it's not based on possessions. In fact, Jesus said this in another passage in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not, everybody said not, not measured by how much you own. It's not measured by that, but so much of our wiring from the time we're born to the culture around us says that is it. how you know if somebody's blessed or not. But Jesus is saying, that's not my kingdom. There's a different way of measurement. And there are so many realities that everyone faces right now, overwhelming chaos and, and the loss that we feel and the boredom and the fear and the wasted time. However, we can adopt a completely different way that we walk through relationships, handle change in the unknown. It's what Paul was talking about when he was talking in Romans chapter 12, verse two, and he says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. If we learn to live that way, we can overcome any circumstance and live with joy, be able to state that I am blessed in any circumstance. Jesus' real secret was that blessed people have something. So why did he say Blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit there in Matthew chapter five refers to an awareness 
of spiritual bankruptcy apart from Jesus. It's the grace of God. I need him. And when I recognize that I'm open to what the kingdom of God has to offer me. Hashtag blessed is not a reward for religious accomplishments, but an act of God's grace in believers' lives. The problem is that people are used to relying on other things for our blessing. We're learning, we lean on other things. As C.S. Lewis said, human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. Literally, we've been searching for other things and then we've lost our awareness, our hunger, our need for God. And it's a dangerous thing to lose your hunger for God. We can get too full on other things and lose our awareness and it affects our ability to receive the kingdom of God until we recognize that we've got this deficit in us, in ourselves, we won't receive. So our pride becomes an obstacle that we need to get out of the way. Look what happened to the church in Laodicea in Revelation chapter three. He says, I, Jesus talking to a church, he might be talking to you in your home, talking to Emmanuel. He says, I know all the things you do that you are neither hot nor cold. You're not really that bad. I wish that you were one or the other, he says. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you, to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire, then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so that you'll be, not be shamed by your nakedness and an ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your what? Your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock, Jesus says. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. And those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone who hear, with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. I want you to catch what Jesus is saying. He looks and he sees people's hearts, not just their outward uh, expression of what's going on on the outside. He looks at their hearts and he notices that in their head and their heart, they're saying, I don't need anything and I'm all right. And he's saying, wait a second, you don't even need anything from me? And Jesus says, recognize that you are poor and blind and naked. Turn away from the indifference. That's what I see people doing during this pandemic, they're awakened to eternal things. Our experiences are causing us to recognize that we need God. Some people are scared about the end times, end times things. And they've heard about little bits and pieces of the gospel, but now all of a sudden they're wondering if this thing is true, that there are other things going on in the world and it was predicted in scripture. And they're wondering about it, they're becoming awake they're becoming aware of their own need. Some people recognize that they've been living for themselves and, and they need to change. This last week, I was really encouraged 
as we saw dozens and dozens and dozens of new people jump in on our new Alpha Online group. And, and as they jumped in, they're sharing their story of why they got in. Some people are already Christ followers and they want to know more about Jesus and others. They don't know yet, but they're curious. And I think there's a lot of curiosity breaking out in people's lives and people are joining from all over the place. My wife was teaching a growth track online this week and she had people from three, four hours away from where our church buildings are. People are hungry everywhere and they wanna take the next step in finding their purpose in Jesus. I think it's powerful. And here's the good news. When you're hungry and you search, Jesus says this, go back to Revelation 3.20. He says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. In other words, when you're hungry, Jesus comes and he knocks at your door. I want you to think about it. He's knocking at your, the, the door of your home right now. He's knocking and saying, I want in. And if I come in and you let me in, I'll come in and I'll be with you. I'll share a meal with you. I think there's a quiet awakening happening, a revival undercover during this shelter-in-place home crisis. People are, who used to come to church to see God, and it wasn't changing, and the lifestyle wasn't changing, and there was still no need outside the church. So God says, okay, I'm going to make the circumstances and use these circumstances to come to your house. I'm coming to your home. And people are worshiping in their homes and they're praying in their homes. And Jesus is coming in and sharing a meal with us. Parents are talking about Jesus in the home. Even right now as people are on, uh, uh, watching on the app or watching online and they're joining us right now. Right now there's Jesus in your house. That wasn't necessarily happening this way before, was it? You see, God is allowing us to recognize our need for him, not just in a church building on a Sunday morning, but every day, Jesus wants to come in. On Friday night, uh, Jody and I were in our kitchen and she pulled up her phone and I began to listen as she tuned in. There was just a group of young adults. I don't even know if they were, they're probably from another church. We were just friends with people and there were four of them in a basement socially distanced and they were singing worship for a half an hour and we could hear the hunger in their voice we could see and sense their passion for Jesus and it stirred something in me because I recognized and they were singing their hearts out to God I heard this week about a group of young adults single young adults in our church that just formed a brand new connect group during the crisis because their hunger for friendship and they gathered together on Friday night in a unique way. They met at a parking lot and their cars were all in a big socially distance appropriate circle. And they all got out of their cars and still stayed disconnected, but they had a worship time together. Just a group of 20 or 30 people that didn't get all in the same location in a building or whatever. They had the social distance there, but they began to worship and to cry out to God. And I just think there's something going on in the hearts of people. And no, God did not want us to have a plague in the land. He's using a plague in the land to draw out our hunger for Him. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God.
When you recognize it and call out to God, He answers you and He begins to speak to you. This reminds me so much of when I was a youth pastor and people were gathering in basements and and out and lingered after services at altars and they cried out to God and God answered them. God used ordinary people to change the schools that our students were in. I think God is up to something. Being hashtag blessed starts with recognizing our need from God. And it's not just those away from God, friends. I love what Pastor Tim Keller said this week. He said, Christians need the gospel as much as non-Christians do. It's true. We need the kingdom of God in our lives. And the poor in spirit people don't ever stop needing God. They recognize the futility of living on their own. And they learn to trust Him in suffering and enthrone Him in success. Perhaps today, you are in need of a life change. You need to be changed from the inside out and Jesus is speaking to you. Maybe you've been leaning on yourself or your success and others fail you. And the Bible calls what happened falling short sin. And only Jesus can free you. And I wanna go, before we move on, we're gonna worship here in a moment together as a church and we're gonna cry out about our need for Him, but I want to talk to you. If you're in a place where internally you are separate from God and you need Him, and you're recognizing your deficit, you're recognizing you need God, and you've leaned on other things, and it's time right now to turn around, to recognize your own need for Him, to resist the indifference, and to lean into what God is speaking to you, I want to pray with you. If you need to give your life to Jesus, you need to surrender to God, or you need to return to Him and come back to God because you've wandered away from Him, I want to pray with you right now. And if that is you, wherever you are right now, I'm going to lead in a prayer, but I want you to pray this out loud in, in, your, in your place where you are or even in your head right now. But you talk to God, and I believe God will hear your prayer. Just say, say Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came to the earth, you died on the cross for my sin, and you rose from the dead. Today, I surrender to you. I give up leaning on other things, and I choose to say, I need you, God. I need you in my life. I'm yours, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. I believe that if you prayed that prayer, God answered your prayer and you're being made new right now. You, you need to stay on that journey of continuing to talk to God. In fact, I wanna help you with that journey. If you're coming back to Jesus or you're giving your life to Jesus right now, I want you to take out your phone and just text the word Emmanuel to 313131. If you text that to us, I'll send you a quick link to your next steps of following Jesus. How to read the Bible, what do you do next? How do you reconnect with your purpose and how do you follow Jesus? I'd love to send that to you right now. So just text Emmanuel to 313131. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. To learn more about the many ministry opportunities we have throughout the week, be sure to check out emmanuelcc.org.